Good morning, and have a, I hope you're having a wonderful day today. This is Lowell Whiteman, your host of 360 Performance, and we're going to talk today about challenges and meeting the, the unexpected, and also we're going to talk about taking what is given you, making it the best that you can make it, and excelling at it to a point of amazement to others that might watch you do what you do, but as I've seen in athletics, the greats make it look easy to do, and if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But that is part of what greatness is all about, is that they do marvelous and miraculous things so easily. Today, we're going to be talking with Mandy Harvey. Welcome to 360 Performance. <laughs> and there she is. For those of you on the 360 Performance uh, uh, Facebook page, you're now seeing Mandy and myself on Friday, every Friday at 11 o'clock, here at KUHSDenver.com. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit more background, and then I'll formally introduce uh, Mandy to you. But um, I want to make sure that when you when you look at your world and you're facing the entropy and the changes that are going to be part of what you're doing, remember the the environment that you're in. Now, for example, the NFL recently had a game, a Thursday night game. It was the the Ravens versus the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the quarterback for the Ravens, big athlete, big strong guy, and he tends to want to run. They'll call a run pass option for him, and he'll run the ball. Now, they were in a in, in the red zone, and he faked the handoff on the option to run um, and decided not to pass and run himself. Well, interestingly enough, the ball is a brown ball. His jersey is a black jersey. He tucks the ball into his arm, and the ball disappears. Where did the ball go? So the defensive team has a little bit of a difficult time knowing, does he have the ball or doesn't he have the ball? It, he looked like he handed it off. Well, that became a controversy because the announcer for the NFL, who follows with the San Francisco 49ers, he's kind of assigned to the 49ers as their a radio broadcaster, and he himself is an NFL alum. So he's played with all different colors of players. Well, he made a comment about how difficult it would be to see the ball because of his black jersey, because of his uh, dark skin tone. He didn't even say black. He was very politically correct in his, his language. Well, guess what? Social media exploded and started criticizing him for his comments. I hope you don't do that when you're fighting and managing your change, that you're looking at your environment in a way that your critical analysis is one that's proactive, positive in that proactive gesture, and you, you've removed the negatives like the announcer did. He didn't put negatives in there. He just described the situation and related to his time when he was an NFL defensive player and how difficult it would be to find the ball. We're going to talk about difficulties and challenges and staying in shape in delivering what you need to deliver to be the best you can be. And we're going to do that with my guest today is Mandy Harvey. Mandy, as many of you might know, if you recognize her face, for those of you who are watching us this morning, um, she was the golden ticket winner on one of the uh, uh, seasons of America's Got Talent. Um, I have been following Mandy for, gosh, almost a little over five years now since uh, when she was still in Colorado uh, performing at, at steakhouses, coffee shops and clubs around the, the area and fell in love with her interpretations of jazz. And then when I found out that you're almost totally deaf. I mean, you have, 
I guess some would say on the, on the number side of things, what, 110 decibels? Yeah, I'm profoundly deaf. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, that in itself isn't a good attribute for being a musician. Well, you know, I think it's interesting. I feel like the, the norm, people would say that, yes. Yeah. But I think that being a musician is being a musician. Whether or not your attack is different is, is just completely different. I feel like in some ways, not being able to hear in the conventional sense has given me the ability to pay attention to music in a completely different way. So in some ways, I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> and let's make sure that I have my levels up on the right microphone like I did and I didn't before. So I've got it there. So Mandy, um, I hate to do this to you, All right. but say to me again what you just said. Well, I, I get told a lot, mm -hmm. you know, it must be frustrating being a musician and not being able to hear. And to a certain degree, yes. But in a lot of ways, I find that being a musician has nothing to do with whether or not you can hear or not. It has nothing to do with whether you can see or not. Or you're, who you are is who you are. Being a musician is part of your soul. And I think that in a lot of ways, I have the benefit of experiencing music in a completely different way from you. Yeah. And I slightly feel bad for you for you not being able to experience yeah. it in, in my way. And, and you, when you started college in the music program, your hearing loss wasn't as, as it is now, the levels no. that it is now. So you were surprised that that was kind of, yeah. that happened. Yeah, I was born hard of hearing, so I've always had struggle with my ears and surgeries and perforated eardrums, and I've been lip reading my whole life. And then uh, because I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, mm -hmm. it's a connective tissue disorder, and a lot of surgeries, my body stressed itself out and it kind of attacked itself. Yeah. And the result of it was I lost my residual hearing as well as a, a great deal of vision. Though, if you see me in my audition of AGT, you'll see I have really thick glasses. And then maybe a week after I filmed that, even before it was released, I ended up having to get LASIK because I had a, an accident and uh, I nearly blinded myself because of my, my bad vision. <laughs> The bad vision was more more bad vision. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, so it's like my dog jumped up on onto my chest and knocked my glasses off, and so I bent down and I hit my eye on the corner of a cabinet. Oh, wow! And uh, I, it was the scariest thing. Yeah. And I was like, this is stupid, absolutely dumb. Yeah. So, um, talked to a friend of mine and ended up getting LASIK, and so I feel like a, I'm Superman to Clark Kent. Everybody knows Clark Kent. Yeah. But they don't really know me without my glasses anymore, and that's fine with me. <laughs> so the LASIK was successful? Huh? The, the LASIK surgery was successful? Yeah, yeah it was. It will, and you, with anything like that, it, it will degrade more with time and yeah. with surgeries and stuff, and my body attacks itself, but it, it's going backwards and re restart. Restart button. Yeah, nice. I might have to do it again, but as it is right now, I can see pretty good. Well, and you're, you're talking about if the body's response to an inflammation, if you will, simplifying, oversimplifying sure, sure, it, but, sure. you know, the body is feeling it needs to repair itself because of what it perceives as an attack to some part of the body, um, and I, I talk about that a lot with my players, about injury recovery. One of the things that, that I do a lot of with, with athletes is go in and help them with their mindset on getting ready to deal 
deal with how they now feel differently. Mm. It's a different. You called it a reset button, which is great because the change is dramatically positive. Yeah. Whereas with the athletes on injury recovery, they look at it as a negative. Well, I think in the process of the change, I, I feel like when when you start change to when you end and end change, you know, you come to acceptance, and yeah. then at some point, hopefully, gratitude, love, and appreciation for who you are and the journey that you are on. But in the process of going through change, it's terrifying and real. And so, anytime you're faced with those challenges, it feels like an attack. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, and that's. I'm going to ask you in a few minutes about about those components, those people and things that may look like an attack. Sure. We can also call them obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that they're stationary for the moment, and the sooner I can see the obstacle in my mind, the better I can be prepared to address it. Right about. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to share some remarks from my audience from people that have known you, gotten to know you, um, and one of those was from a magazine article in, in Healing with um, Healing Path magazine oh, yeah. uh, back in 2009, Ooh. yeah, a while ago, um, but very, very appropriate thoughts as to, and I'll, I'm going to start off with a quote from the author, and her comments are, she, meaning you, demonstrates the power available to us when we give up our attachment to outcoming, outcome, sorry, outcome and focus only on what we do now. She reminds us that through doing what we love and giving what we have, we enter a realm of hope and possibility. We experience freedom to be all that we are. I thought that was extremely insightful um, and captured a lot of what I have seen in your performances uh, and in the very, other than today, the very limited times we've had a chance to interact in less, not about the music, but just just about people. Um, it, it, she captured it really, really well. Um, I'm going to remind everybody again that uh, Mandy Harvey was the was one of many Golden Ticket winners uh, through the seasons of America's Got Talent, um, and she went on. Did you get to the semifinals? I went to the finals. Finals. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't remember what, how far you'd gotten. I got fourth. 2017. I got fourth. That's nice, though. That, yeah. What, did, that, that, did that have a boost to your career a little bit? Did people have a higher appreciation for your music? Yeah. And your I think more people are just aware of me. The my my video, my audition video try went mega viral. Yeah. So most people, even if they didn't watch HET, they've seen this picture of me or this video because uh, collectively it's been seen over 500 million times. Whoa, that's extraordinary. It's weird. Yeah. I'll take it, but it's weird. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with that? I don't. It's not real. Like yeah. none of it's real. Like I look back and I try to say, oh no, that really happened, and it just it doesn't feel like it did. It's a dream. Yeah, my social media person, I have a social media person, I, that's even scary for me to even say that. Look at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm a very tactile person. I like to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, I just, like, why can't I do it? <laughs> but I, I'm not good at it. Right. That's why I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to also share with people some more comments that the lady made in this article about your past. Because you start into into college to become a music teacher yeah. and, and and I'm sure performing as well but a music yeah. teacher in front of school and kid, kids yeah never performance so performance was something that you plan B no not even plan B really I hated performance 
absolutely terrified of it. Whoa. I used to throw up anytime that thing closed. Anytime anything had to do a performance, I would lock up and I would cry and I would shake and I would throw up. And oh my gosh. I hated it. I hated having people stare at me. I wanted to be invisible. I loved being a teacher mm -hmm. because I wanted to help other people improve and I wanted to help create community and give people skill sets. But I did not want people looking at me. Well, sharing the love of your craft, I would guess oh, that was the motivation like, too. Right, it's an unstoppable force. It's like what you were saying, you know, when you are, you know, a kind of a, a person who can't sit still. It, yeah. You know, it's not just a job, it's my life, and I can't not better myself in it. I, I can't stop. So you just constantly want to do more. Are you teaching? I do clinics and stuff like that, but I don't have like my own students who I teach vocal lessons yeah. to. I haven't ventured there mostly because I know what my limitations are, and I haven't found a way around them to feel like I would be giving them the exact information that they would need to go past a certain point. So I bet I could do like certain level. Yeah. But then I would want them I would want them to have somebody who would listen to exactly what's going wrong with their tone and be able to fix and give them the tools to excel past I, I would I would love to collaborate with you on, on working with students. Even if it's remote, you know with technology today oh, yeah. we, because there are kids that need to that have all of their senses all five of their senses that need your insight oh, I, I teach and I, I go and uh, I'll sing with choirs and stuff and and we'll do like little lessons and stuff but I, yeah. I don't know if I would ever be like a one-on-one a -on -one, I'm your weekly go-to choir teacher I, can, I understand person. I understand that and I understand your limitations and the res the, your reticence and that's real that, that's a real thing but I think there's a collaboration of a pod of people oh, yeah. that would, su would, would support your shortcomings mm -hmm. and really enhance the vocal and musicality experience for an artist. Well, we can talk about that later. All right. This is another remark from the author. While her dream of becoming a music teacher has died, the music is still alive and well within her. Though her hearing loss is profound, and at the time it was 110 decibels in each ear, her timing, pitch, and passion are perfect. With support from friends, family, and her faith, Mandy continues to find joy in the music. And those remarks are like an exclamation point to what we just talked about. Um, and with that being said, I, I have to be a little commercial now okay. because I want to make sure you, your your event tomorrow night, uh, which is December 7th, it's at the Dazzle Club at 1512 uh, Curtis Street. Um, right, It's right down there in the midst of the pedestrian kind of movement in downtown Denver, uh, not too far away from the Ellie Calkins Opera uh, Center in downtown Denver, a few blocks, but close enough. So if you're, if you're hanging out at the theater, you're getting a cup of coffee and you want to tap your foot a little bit, and listen to some great interpretations of jazz and, and uh, Mandy's um, recent album that's out, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, and there are some there are some tunes in that set in that album that I want you to talk about in a second uh, because we talked about it before we got on air um, about how much of you is in there and how much more you want.
worth in there, mm. and what 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 or who <laughs> causes it to be limited a little bit. Now, as I say that, the last piece of commercial stuff I'm going to do. I have a sponsor. Well, I'm trying to coerce them into being my sponsor. Uh, it's a it's a lotion, alcohol free lotion. Uh, but it kills 99 points. Yeah, exactly. Wall's free. There it is. And this, because you're a traveler, this one's for you. Oh. The carabiner. It's pink. Yes, it's pink. Exactly. Um, and I, I had no idea I picked that color, actually. Let's bring hand sanitizer. Yes. <laughs> it is, and it's, it's truly a lotion. Um, so... Mandy, you had been around music most of your life before the age of 19, because you've got a family that's musical. Well, Eva, I was always the spearheader of it. You know, my dad was is a very musical person in playing guitar. Mm-hmm. He's a unituned, is what we always called when it came to singing, because all of his songs sound exactly the same. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been obsessed with choir since I was four and couldn't stop. So I was in four or five choirs at the same time. I went to Longmont High School, and if you are a student there, you have a kid who goes there, if they go to the choir room on the wall, there's a plaque with my name on it for a top female vocalist of my high school, 2006. Um, Represent. Go Trojans. Um, But yeah, it, it it was something that... I just, I needed. I, it, it made sense to me. Well, I, I would guess, I, help me with this thought. I'm going to throw it out there for you to share with your position on it. You needed it. Why? And I'll expand on that part of the question. Because of more feeling? Well, so being being a hard of hearing child, I didn't really have a lot of friends or, or people that I talked to much mm-hmm. because lip reading is difficult. It's, it's taxing on the mind, but also you feel awkward. Like you're constantly the stupid person in the room mm-hmm. who doesn't understand what's going on. And my mom put me in a choir class um, when I was four. I think she just kind of dumped me in there. It was uh, at church, you know. But I found it to be so inspiring because it didn't matter. We were like a ragtag group of misfits. You had all different kinds of political views in there, all different kinds of skin tones, all different kinds of financial backgrounds. It really didn't matter. And we were all working together as a team to make something beautiful. And then the words were in black and white. I I had them in my hand. So I knew exactly what we were doing. And I was a part of a community. Yeah. And then there's something beautiful that transpires past the performers into the actual audience. And then you become an even larger community. And it kind of spreads from there. And so for me, not only was it a means for me to be able to express myself, it was a means for me to have that community sense. But move past any of my personal barriers and any mm-hmm. of other people's barriers and just be. Did the, did the participants with you at that age understand your limitations and then help you to manage the interactions with those limitations? It's funny. So um, I was by far the youngest person in the room. By, like, by far the youngest person in the room. But I just... 
I caught on to it like a fish in water and I just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. So I think at first they were more like, oh, this is a little kid doing in our class. And then I was memorizing it faster than them. And so they're just like, oh, okay. I earned my chops. And I don't think anybody other than the teacher making sure that they were directionally talking at me, um, I don't think that it really hindered anybody. I don't feel like anybody treated me any different. I'm going to guess that at some point you were just like everybody else. Yeah. They forgot about, if they even knew mm-hmm. of your limitation, they forgot about it because you were delivering. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I worked harder than most people. And I think um, high school... I had an amazing choral director. He's still a choral director um, now at Cherry Creek. His name's Adam Cave. Love Cavo. Love you, dude. <laughs> um, and I think you could probably testify to just my work ethic. I knew that I had a barrier of being able to hear what was going around me. Mm-hmm. So I stopped having to rely on the section and being able to hear them. And I dismissed that altogether. And I memorized and I worked hard and I, I had it first. And then a lot of people would gravitate towards what I was singing because I, I had it. Yeah. And so I was one of the, I was a section leader, mostly because I knew that I couldn't rely on them. So how did you make the connection to the other sections then? By, by how it felt and by watching, by actually paying attention. The, the beautiful thing about choir, you have you have a choral director and if they're doing their job well, they're showing you the emotion mm-hmm. and they're showing you how loud, how soft, all of those very, very, very precise uh, changes. It, it's all done as a team, so everyone has to focus on one person. Yeah, so for our audience who may not be watching, but also listening, um, conductors in a choir will lean forward, will lean backwards, will, will make bigger gestures or smaller gestures to indicate dynamic to the choir, the dynamic inferences to tone, to volume, to uh, articulation yeah. uh, of words. Uh, even though in the music, as you said, you had it in black and white in front of you, it will say, poli- uh, I almost said the word, um, Pianissimo. Pianissimo. That's it. Pianissimo. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> quiet. Yes, quiet. So Forte to large. Exactly. You can see, you saw the words on the page, but the choral director will give you that through their body movement because in most cases, the sections don't have the sheet music with them. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you memorize the music and the music and, and those kinds of... Um, embellishments and in, in details that is to the discretion of the choral director yeah so some of those sections where there would be uh, a forte would would be not and so we would memorize the music and then we watch this one person and everybody would be listening in their section I put it in air chords because I didn't necessarily um, but you would be listening and 
trying to become as even as possible so that you sounded like one voice. And I, I tell my athletes who can hear, yeah. they have full hearing capacity, I say you have to listen with your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's not just with your ears because there's interpretations of things that are movement that speak very loudly and or very small, but you've got to see it to be able to hear it. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, so I'm going to break real quick here and, and go back and, and promote again your, concert. your your concert tomorrow. But in light of what we've just said, the interpretations that Mandy gives about jazz or any genre of music that she sings, because I think there's some eclectic components to the genres of music, even though there many would say you're uh, an aficionado of jazz and you like jazz, but the interpretations that you make with the music and what you sing, which also, by the way, everybody should know, she writes her own songs, um, is is something to be really uh, relished and, and appreciated. So if you have the fortunate desires, you're fortunate or you have the desires, or both. If you have the opportunity and the time. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Go to Dazzle. Absolutely. On Curtis and listen to her interpretation. Yeah, there's two shows. Uh, there's a 6 p.m. and an 8.30. However, it always sells out. So if there if there are tickets left, you got to jump on it soon. Get jump. yourself going, people. Yeah, chop, chop. Yes, don't my, sit back. My 10th my tenth <laughs> annual holiday concert. And, and Dazzle is... Um, um, a great venue. I, yeah. I've been there. I like it a lot. Um, so when you go into a venue, whether you know it or not, what what are some of the things you do to get ready? Um, I think it depends on the venue. Some some of it is just stationary. It's methodical. Uh, I use visual tuners when I warm up and I can see what I'm mm-hmm. singing and then you can feel where things are traveling and I was born with near perfect pitch so that helps but um, in the process of warming up there's the whole band is setting up and doing their sound check and they get solidified for what they want and then then I come out because all of those different noises on the floor combating themselves it's overwhelming to me so I want them locked in then when I get onto the floor regardless of what the venue is I I have my shoes off and I can feel the beat through the floor and then I have to mentally adjust based off of the room so there's so many differences of okay this is hardwood floor or this is a cement or this is blah 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 and you have to (laughs) you have to adjust and it's a lot of mental work yeah so it's kind of like back in choir even when i was in choir when i could hear when i was still slightly hard of hearing i couldn't hear myself even if i could catch some of the group yeah so I always paid attention to how it felt. And now I don't even try to think of how I sound. I don't I don't focus too much on the fact that I can't hear myself. If I focus too much on, wow, that's weird. I'm singing and I can't hear myself. And then I start doubting myself. And that's, that's when you have trouble. Yeah. You have to throw caution to the wind, trust yourself, and say... Be damned! I'm expressing myself. So, what can I? What do I have control over? I have control over what I say. I have control over the emotion that I put behind it. 
I have control over how I engage with the audience, and I have control over what I can feel through the floor. That's it. Well, you've emphasized the major points of the segment I usually talk about here, which is in the skills area, mm-hmm. being in touch with, I call them checkpoints with my athletes. What are your checkpoints as you're getting prepared in the locker room about what you see and the visions you have and who you're going to be across the line from, or who's going to be guarding you, or who's across the net from you. Um, now, if it's a skier, it's the, the ice and the snow, but <laughs> different obstacles. Yeah. But you have, it sounds like, if, if I could go through what you just said, you've got checkpoints. There's a feeling in your throat. There's a feeling in your nasal, in your face, I would imagine, and you're through your feet, and yeah. all different checkpoints that you're examining through the rehearsal process. Yeah, and there's also the, the memory of the song and knowing all of those intervals mm-hmm. and how they tie from one song to another. It's a lot of prep, a lot of work. But See, it's now I'll, come, I'll, I'll come back to what we talked about a minute ago about collaborating. Those kind of things that you just said you go through, many artists don't go through those. They don't, they don't feel like they have to. Exactly. And, it, and it's been so natural. Yeah. It's been so easy for them. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, to get better, you have to be challenged. Yeah. See, I'll, I'll have a, a hockey player, for example. I'll take a hockey player and put a blindfold on them and have them skate blind <laughs> to know where they're at on the ice. And if they can speed up to gain speed with the blindfold on, yeah. how much more confident are they going to be with the blindfold off? Yeah. So putting them in those challenges hopefully you, you you are doing a beautiful job at managing what life has given you um, <clears throat> I would encourage like you said to me I, I feel sorry for them I do well so like here's a great example short story I go to schools a lot um, and I have the privilege of going to Leavenworth Washington every year mm-hmm. and I have for many years and so I went to a choral group and they were they were singing they were going to sing backup of a song of one of mine on stage for their classmates but they they were singing and doing their practice and I got to take over their rehearsal and so it was a smaller group and we put them all in a circle so that they could the, the sound is bouncing off of them and not just out into the audience so during the rehearsal they were and then I stood in the middle of them and walked around and then as people were singing too quietly and I couldn't feel them I would have them move forward so that we could visually see what was going on and then the people who were too loud moved backwards and I said this is disjointed we need this to be one group and so I need more from you you need you need to be paying attention to your environment. You should sound like one person. That is awesome. And so then they started to stop paying attention too much about what they sounded like, and they were listening to the person next to them and trying to mimic their tone. And it, as five minutes went by, they went from fifteen people to being like three. And it was it was lovely. Yeah, that's an awesome exercise. It was lovely, but it's it's all it, it, it's not rewiring your brain. It's just actively participating and paying attention. Yeah, 
it's, it's opening, as some say, peeling back another layer of the onion. The onion, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get deeper and deeper and deeper until you really understand what the core is like and how the journey to get there. Yeah. That, that's that's really that's really amazing stuff, Mandy. But I think when people pay attention to it in a different way, it's it's amazing to them how much they can feel. When uh, I, I teach a, a class every now and then about feeling music, and so we'll put the speakers on the floor and I'll have people lay on the floor mm-hmm. on a wood floor, and then I'll play a song and it bounces through the floor and for the first minute and a half you'll see them struggle to feel beat yeah, yeah you can you can see them struggle and then after a minute you'll see them like getting in because they're they're relying too much on listening to the song but then they're trying to feel it and they can't then as this song finishes they'll they'll tell you oh oh i did feel that when you play the second song their brain is already adjusted so far then they're just like oh wow I can really feel it over here I can really feel it if I put my hand on this you know like uh, it's quite interesting so even like right now we're sitting at a desk and it's like a it's like a what is it a plastic it's a laminate desk yeah so there's a been a buzz this whole time you can feel it and every time you talk I can feel you talking on the table Mm -hmm. and a lot of people wouldn't even pay attention to that clue, I guess, at all. Yeah, it's what we talked about earlier, about we all have five senses. Some have limitations, as you being one of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's being able to switch from one to the next to the next that really enhances your capability of adjusting and adapting to whatever obstacles may come towards you. Mm -hmm. I mean, to see it is one thing, but to hear it and see it before it gets there gives you an even bigger interpretation of what that obstacle is bringing to you. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the analogy of the hardwood floor and the music in there, that to those who are not limited by their senses, that's an obstacle because it's something they've never done before. And they're being asked to switch from that norm to really focusing in on just the feel part of it. Yeah, it's, it's information that they've been absorbing this whole time. They just haven't been focused on it. Yeah. That's really cool stuff. Um, Well, we're here with Mandy Harvey. She's going to be performing tomorrow night, two shows at Dazzles on Curtis. It's um, the address, exact address is 1512 Curtis Street, right downtown uh, Denver. Uh, The times of the show, 6 and 8.30. Yeah, I think that's correct, are the two show times. Um, Now, I I like the fact that you're also a musician, not just a vocalist. Yeah. Um, Now, when did you pick a ukulele or guitar or both. Well, so I started a long time ago. I started with piano yeah, and flute right. and the guitar. And then my dad played guitar, so I played a lot more guitar because that was our way of connecting. Mm-hmm. And then as my EDS got worse, I lost the ability to really play guitar for longer than 10 minutes without losing full function in my hand. And I was really upset about it. And my friend Meg uh, Reedy, she actually lives here in Colorado too. Yeah. Um, she gave me her one of her ukuleles to play with. And she was like, just see if you like it because I find it to be uh, a lot easier on the hands. And uh, I 
loved it. Because the fret usually isn't as big. Well, there's only four. And it's vi- yeah, fewer strings. Fewer strings. And usually uh, vinyl, too, right? Yeah. Uh, mine is mostly vinyl. The top string, because I use a super tenor, is, a, is metal, but it's down the octave. So it has a more of a boom that I can feel when I hold gotcha. it against my skin. Yeah. But some chords, like a C, you're only using one finger to play. Yeah. And then A minor is so one finger, F is two fingers, you know, like so many different chords, root, rooted chords. Yeah, it's not you, three fingers or four fingers. Yeah, you bridging. don't have to do full yeah. bar chords. Yeah. You, there are manners and ways to play them. In a in with with so will we see you playing the ukulele? Of course, <laughs> of course, excellent, excellent. Of course, yeah. Try to stop me. Yeah. Now, so you're going to be, will you be barefoot? Sure. Okay. So this is what you. I'll be in stocking. Well, it's cold. Her here. shoes will be off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even bring nice shoes. Well, I would wear like uh, wear like a nice dress. I don't even have shoes that go with it. My sneakers, because I never wear shoes when I'm on. Well, that's kind of fashionably acceptable. Anyway. Anyway, the sneakers thing, right? But I never wear shoes, so what's yeah, the point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just have them off off stage somewhere when you yeah. have to leave, and it's slushy and mucky outside. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, how many people in the band? For this concert, there's just the four of us. So there's a pianist, Alfred Shepard. Mm-hmm. There's bass. is he your is he your standby? Is he your he's anchor? My, he's my dude. He, yeah, uh, he's the anchor. Yeah, he's traveled the world with me. I love that boy. He's an incredible musician, but he also is a composer. He does um, screen. Uh, scores and stuff for but film. But he gets you. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that wasn't that the, the beginning of the relationship was that because I, I bet you there's a lot of naysayers out there a, in the early it, days. Yeah, but he's a bit of an odd duck, Alfred. He, you know, I think in his own way we bonded in our weirdness. So, but I love him. And then my drummer Dave will be here, um, and he's traveled a lot with me as well. And then I have a local um, Eric Applegate on bass, upright bass, and then myself ukulele. Very nice. So let's talk a little bit about the music and tell me, give the title of the album. Yeah, my new album is called Nice to Meet You. It is. It is. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, And are there particular singles on there other than, is is there a title track, Nice to Meet You? Well, Nice to Meet You is actually the first line of one of my singles called This Time. Okay, so This Time is a key one. Yeah, and that one was actually inspired by a woman, a homeless woman that I met here in Denver off of the 16th Street Mall. I was handing out socks and she ran up to me, which definitely makes you feel calm, safe, and welcome. (laughs) And she grabbed my arm and she said, nice to meet you. Are we flying or is it all in my head? (laughs) And she she freaking terrified me. and there begins a friendship. Absolutely. Well, she so she she told me her story. She was a, a Russian ballerina. She moved to America with nothing to become a star. And she got in an accident. She shattered her ankles. She couldn't dance anymore. And then she gave up on everything. Oh, yeah. That's where I met her. Yeah. Many years after she had given up. And she told me that. And she let go of my arm and walked away. And that, she just wanted somebody to listen. Have you seen her since? No. Oh, my gosh. And so, but, you know, like, I was in middle school. Yeah. And so, 10 years from that moment when my hearing left and I was dropped from the music program and my world collided um, 
I gave up for a long time. You can relate to her plight and her Absolutely. story. Well, every time I closed my eyes, I could see her face. And yeah. I was just like, this is not going to be the definition of my life. This is a moment and a description of a piece of time of my life. But that's not who I am. Well, you're going to express that song pretty strongly, aren't you? There's, yeah, some, there's yeah. some basis for that. Mm -hmm. So what else in the album do you want to highlight to make sure people pick up on? Oh, gosh. Well, so the whole album... Uh, to me, it, it's it's a very specific journey. I wrote Heart on Fire, which is the first song at the Denver airport when I got snowed in, stuck here. Um, but there's a, there's a song on there that I love called One Minute. And that one I wrote 15 minutes uh, sitting on my living room floor to the pattern of the rain outside. And, um, yeah, I, I just... There's a lot of heart in there. So it's a holiday concert, yeah. but you've got the album coming out. So you're going to yeah. feature some of the albums and, some, yeah. and the cuts in the album. Yeah. What else are you going to feature? So because it's my... I, I do this every year. I think that when people go, oh, it's a holiday concert, it's going to be all Christmas music. <laughs> I don't get into Christmas music as much. Like, I, I have the superpower, and I mean this, I cannot get annoyed by Christmas music anymore. Because I cannot hear it. So I can go into a supermarket yeah. and not hear Mariah Carey or yeah. not hear that song again. Or any elevator, for that matter. It's gone. So yeah. I don't get annoyed by it. But I I also don't see a need to have an entire concert be just Christmas music. So there will be some Christmas music yeah. or holiday winter music. There will be some jazz music because it's my 10th annual concert. There will be some jazz songs that I haven't performed since I was first performing and some of the ones that uh, are very significant to my journey. Um, jazz standards mixed in with some of the new songs from the album. So for those Christmas aficionados out there. There will be Christmas songs. Which, which song are you going to that you like the most? That's got the rhythm and the feel that really fits Maddie Harvey. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, it will be a... Uh, uh, a warm day in hell, if you believe in Dante. Uh, if if I don't conclude my show with "Have Yourself a Merry Little oh, Christmas," yes. but uh, to to true Mandy fashion, there will be white green Christmas. So white Christmas, the song. But I grew up half in Florida, half here, yeah. so we didn't have snow, and so I wrote a different version of White Christmas for oh, Green Christmas. Oh, very cool! And so people know it, and so they'll come and they get so excited about Green Christmas when Green Christmas plays. So Green Christmas will be playing. Oh, that's very nice. And Santa Baby, I'm sure. That's I, one of my favorites. I like Santa yeah. Baby because it's got that jazz feel to it. Mm -hmm. It's got the rhythms. So who, who, and what, or what were your more primary influences in, in music? Is there a particular artist or, I mean, genre, obviously jazz is a genre, but you're, you're such an eclectic combination of of rhythms and, and vibe. Oh, like who's my inspiration? Yeah, your inspiration. Oh, motivation. I, I missed the beginning. Sorry. Um, well, you know, I grew up I grew up listening to the 60s, uh, 60s and 70s music and jazz. Thank you, Dad. 
actually me. Really? Yeah, my dad was 70s, but I discovered doo-wop in the 60s by myself. I had a little FM radio that I had in my little window, and that was one of the stations that I picked up. Oh, nice. And so my dad and I, we've collaborated and we've grown, and he's shown me a different side. We have different tastes of 70s-like, but uh, he's definitely given me a lot of ammo and a lot of things to learn, but I grew up listening to Hermits, Hermits, and The Association, and Three Dog Night, and America, and Harry Nielsen. Love Harry Nielsen. Um, and and those brilliant artists who actually had something to say, and they said it in a poetic way. It wasn't just, hey, babe, I want to have sex with you. Let's go. Yeah, they were storytellers. And it was profoundly interesting. Well, and like most artists, like yourself, your stories, your music, the lyrics you write come from what you feel. It's their legit stories, not just the story that will sell across the airwaves. Yeah, but the, the, the brilliant thing about that time, especially jazz and the 60s, is that they wrote things in a manner that they allowed the listener to put their own story into it. Yeah, like well, it was a, point. It was a story, but it was said in a way that you could put your own emotion there. It wasn't so vague, but you you felt the feels while also having it be your own. Okay, so with that being said, what is your favorite America's tune? <laughs> oh gosh. I still I still love a horse with no name. I mean I just find there's certain lyrics in that one that just make no sense. Oh, the heat was hot. Yeah. I was like, well yeah. And the water was dry. Yeah. Yeah, but but the air was full of sounds. Exactly. A bee with a buzz. Yeah, yeah. And a fly, fly with, with no, no buzz. buzz. A fly with no, no buzz. buzz. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. But but the it it was. I I want to know what that was about. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It feels good to be out of the rain. I think there was drugs involved. Of course, it's the sixties. Yeah. So I in the desert you can't remember your name, so there ain't no one to mm, pretty give me no yeah. pain. La la la. Yeah. Um, the la la laws. That was the most impactful to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love that. All I, right. So now let's go from there, from America mm. to Three Dog Night. Uh, Eli's coming. So there you liar. go. There you go. Liar. Love it. So my dad and I would sing Eli's Coming a Liar and we had dance moves in the car when we would we would jam oh, out that. But I, I have like oh I've never been to Spain, you know, joy to the world. I mean you name it, I've I'm I'm in so did did the rock and roll jazz hooks of ZZ Top or the Allman Brothers get in there at all? Of course. Okay. Of course, but in sparseness. Because you have to understand, I lost my hearing at 19, yeah. 18, 19. So I only had so much data. time to collect and so um, I missed the I would say the 80s the 90s and the 2000s most of the 2000s so with that being said what have been the most creative methods you've used to push your musicality to discover new influences yeah I have to pull them up with sheet music 
first and then and this is how I've always approached the, the jazz that I've not ever heard before mm -hmm. and I sing a lot of jazz songs that I've never heard an example of but I pull up the sheet music and then without looking at the key signature without looking at you know samba or you know any of that stuff I ignore it I so let's make sure you tell it. people you read music because that's important to what we're talking about music theory saves lives <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there are some students out there going is she serious no it does it's music theory if you are any sort of person who claims to be a musician it is a bread and butter music theory saves lives it, it's it's an amazing tool that if you're only relying on your ears, you are seriously neglecting an entire world of knowledge that you could be using to your disposal. And as a performance coach, Mandy, I'm going to emphasize that because what you just said is a discipline. And there's many students in a lot of different topics, not just music, that do not appreciate the energy and effort necessary to create the discipline for their craft. Right. And they'll be the first ones to be disappointed that they didn't get to the level they wanted to. And I'll go right back to discipline. I said, you didn't practice what you needed to to be disciplined enough. Yeah. I think it was, uh, was it Magic Johnson who he was talking about how he wasn't the best basketball player, but he was the one who would show up and do like 500 free throws. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. He talks about it, it's not it's not how good you are, it's how good you work. Yeah. It's showing up and putting in the time. I mean, I, I had an opportunity to be around Michael Jordan and his trainer um, uh, when I lived in Chicago, and I was there passing the basketball, and I was getting tired passing the ball to Michael when he was shooting thousands of jump shots. Um, and he would he didn't care who it was that passed him the ball. As long as you pass him to the right place, he didn't care. But those people that are consistent with the delivery of their craft are the first ones to say discipline in your case music theory yeah. study the music theory Absolutely. yeah um, I'm going to say again thank you very much to Manuel I'll say it over and over again for her being here today with me on uh, 360 performance on KUHSDenver.com every Friday 11 o'clock Mountain Standard Time we've got a few more minutes before the show ends and I'm going to ask um, Manny to, to tell us a little bit more about her schedule sure. we've got Saturday which is 6 and 8.30 at Dazzle on uh, 1512 Curtis Street, right here. Get your tickets because it sells out. Those two shows sell out. What's after that? Where do you go from there? So I've got I've got a gig in Philly, so I get to go from cold place to cold place. Yeah. And then I have Christmas, the actual week of Christmas off, which is phenomenal. Sweet. And then January, it starts back up again. My January, February, March, April, May, it's all pretty pretty slam booked. Um, there's a chance I might come back and speak at. CSU in February. Please let me know. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd love to hang out with you. Yeah, Say hello. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be, I think, the 26th if it ends up working out. Are you going to be in NYC, New York, on the East Coast in the next few months? Yeah. Because I, I would like to, we'll talk, we'll talk about this off air, but I'd like to see if I can arrange a meeting between you and the, the monster lady, Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah? Have you listened? Have you, I'm sorry. I know 
her, yes. Okay. But uh, when I was on EGT, she made she did a tweet that when she saw my golden buzzer moment, she said, "I." She put the little heart. I heart Mandy Harvey. You guys need to get connected. I think that would be brilliant because she has uh, an insight into music that is close to you. Will never be you because she has no. But I will never be her. Exactly, and that's why the connection needs to be made because the two of you could share so many great collaborative moments so. in music. Well, um, we also have the same, we, have, we do have a lot of similar loves. Like she has such a love for jazz mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so I I will help you do whatever I can to make that meeting happen. That a game be, on. Okay, on. all right. Pinky promise yeah, on Yes, that. there we go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so what are your expectations for your future? You know, for a really long time, I didn't allow myself to have expectations for my future mm-hmm. because it felt very limiting. You know, when you when you create a plan and you feel like you have to follow that plan and then it doesn't go the way that you think, you feel you're like a colossal failure. Yeah. And so I stopped kind of giving myself too stringent of a plan. However... I will say what are important and the things that I'm working on. So I have a new album. They're going to start pushing it for radio in January once Christmas is over. So that's interesting. I made two music videos, one for Release Me and one for This Time. And I am... uh, I'm on the board of a nonprofit organization called No Barriers. They are based up in Fort Collins. Yep. And so I'm going to be working more with them. I do tech consulting for Microsoft and places like that where I, I go in and I give my opinion and I help with feedback and stuff on stuff like Skype and the captioning for Skype. But I plan on touring a lot, writing a lot of music, doing a lot of school visits where I get to be around people and children mm-hmm. and be an encouragement. With, with all of that, Maddie, yeah. what what's the most challenging for you that's going to make you better challenge? Not like an obstacle challenge, but a challenge that's going to help you be better. I think... For me, I think it's finding balance. I think that I I work so hard and I'm constantly on the road and I'm constantly going that I find it difficult to stop, isolate myself, and just write. I ask questions because I know where I want you to go. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you decompress? I don't. I, I haven't for a very long time. And I think... Finding balance is a tricky thing when you're an artist as well as a person who is unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, it's not that I'm not happy with my life or my job, but there's always more to learn. There's always more to grow. There's always more. And so I find that when I'm gone for three months, say, and I go home, by day three, I am antsy and weird. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I have such a difficult time allowing my brain to turn off and be. So finding balance is, it's, it's an enigma to me. It's, so let me go through the list of things that other people use to decompress. Sure. Do you work out? Yes. Okay. And what's your favorite workout routines? CrossFit. Okay. Do you meditate? 
I somewhat I need to be better at it. I've just started getting into it. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I give pray. Uh, there you go, sir. That was my next piece. Journal of faith and that book the spirituality. There's three components for me. The physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Sure. Those have to be connected. That's why I test connections. So when you meditate, what's been the biggest challenge for you to meditate? Uh, shutting my brain off. Because I feel like um, then it's just a head full of checklists of things that I need to do, and then just how how I could be doing these things. So it's just slowing down, truly. So let me add something to the meditation thing. First of all, don't worry about how much time you meditate. Whatever amount it is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's the fit. You're, you're finding the fit for you. Whatever in that time that you choose to meditate, make sure you're, you're practicing good um, breathing techniques within the meditation. In through the nose, out through the mouth, no raising of the shoulders, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And put something in your hand because of your um, sound limitations you use the other four more uh, ostensibly than others do yes so something tactile get a, a, a tennis ball in your hand a piece of satin uh, a, a, the softest thing that you love to touch you know, a blankie or a, you know something that's sensory through your hands or put your feet in something you know, so you've got that sensory um, focal point because with people with, with on the hearing side that do here, they can they can bring in and then shut it off, and that becomes their focal point. Yours is already shut off. Yeah. So you need a compensating focal point. Yeah. And that will help the 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 decompression compression process start exactly. And you'll have some place to go to get it reconnected again. Okay. Um, it, for other people, it's like I have um, I have rocks, hmm. very soft rocks that I keep in my. Um, my pocket, and I'll, when I need to go to those, I'll go to those. I have a jade meditation stone. That there you go. That someone gave me a long time ago. That that would be that would be if, if it works. It could be something cool or soft. Texture and temperature are big components of that focalizing mm-hmm. of the, the item. Um, so then, nutritionally, yeah, are you practicing any kind of nutritional things to keep that all the the, the things going? Because oh, yeah. inflammatory responses. I'm a, I'm a dairy free, gluten. Free, high vegetable, low, low sugar person. Three colors of vegetables. Yeah, oh, uh, that's my deal. Love, love green things though. Radishes. I've discovered radishes again. You've discovered things. Well, I used to eat them all the time. I was a farm kid, mm-hmm. so I would pull them out of the ground and and eat them right then and there. And then as I got older, I just kind of like got away from it. And then when I figured out that I had a leaky gut syndrome I had to take care of, I went back and I found all these great, wonderful vegetables that I hadn't been participating in. So cauliflower, radishes, and uh, celery are, are three of my biggies these days. Um, all right, so we got a few seconds left. We're going to end the, end the show. Uh, thank you again, Mandy Harvey, for being here with us. Uh, Dazzle, be at Dazzle tomorrow. Get your tickets because it sells out. Every it's year, it sells yeah, out. Curtis Street. It's a combination of just wonderful vibe, wonderful rhythms, and I want you to go there listening for the interpretation of the music. Yeah. Mandy's interpretation of her words that she writes for her songs uh, will add to the. Experience Experience that you're going to have in her concert and the music that she shares with the world as we know it. Um, 
as we do here at 360 Performance every Friday, we talk about performance issues, uh, human performance, and the people that create those results in, in the delivery of their performance. And Mandy Harvey has graced us today with her presence. I thank you again for being here for oh, us today. Thank you for